Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, another episode of the Harper Podcast. Thanks to everyone who tuned in uh, last time um, where we covered the importance of research. Uh, again, I'm joined by Nick and Jared. Hey, we going, guys? Um, today's podcast, we're touching on segmentation very briefly, but it's to focus on targeting. Um, as we always do in these things, we uh, give you a quick wrap-up um, of what we're going to cover in the podcast. So if you don't have the desire or the time to listen to the entire thing, um, you can get a, an overview and you can do your own um, investigative work. Um, so Jared is going to lead us off with the uh, with the quick two-minute wrap. Yeah, perfect, guys. So um, as Wilco said, we're, the, the main concept is, is targeting of this, um, but what we do need to understand is targeting is a component of the holy trinity, as Mark Ritson likes to call it, of um, marketing strategy, which consists of segmentation, targeting, and positioning. Um, segmentation um, is it focuses on the market. It's what occurs first, um, and it's designed is created from our the research in which we conduct. It helps us manage the complexity of the overall category of consumers. Um, and what the best way to look at segmentation is 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 cutting a piece, cutting a pie into separate pieces. And what it allows us to do it just gives us a holistic overview of all the unique consumers within the overall category, um, their desires, their needs, their attitudes, and their behaviours. And then when we come down to targeting, what we actually do is we take a piece of that pie. And what targeting is, it's focusing on the brand or the business that we are and allows us to take that piece of pie or that target consumer um, that we believe are presenting the greatest opportunities for us, um, that we believe is, is less competitive, uh, most suitable to our product, etc. Um, so the reason we target, so we target for multiple reasons, um, but one of the biggest components that we, uh, or reasons we target is because each brand should have a two-speed brand plan. And what a two-speed brand plan consists of is long-term mass marketing um, focused on building your brand, focused on building penetration in the overall category. And on the other side, we've got short-term sales activations focused on driving uh, and quick returns for advertising spend. And that's where targeting comes into place. So targeting is, uh, so sales activations are much more um, effective when we have a specific target consumer, whether that target consumer is uh, ready to buy now or ready to buy soon, we're gonna see far better results from the marketing in which we can conduct that. It allows us to do it, it allocates our resources, both financially, both our staff, our assets, towards a specific strategic objective and a specific target segment. Um, even more so, what it allows us to do is actually build our positioning. So for the for the long-term brand building, we should have what we call brand positioning. And then for the short-term sales activations, we should have a product positioning. And that product positioning focuses on identifying the value to our consumer and the goal in which they're achieving from the product which we provide. Um, so that's, that's essentially why we do the targeting. And, and, and there's a multitude of ways in which we do do targeting. However, the main objective that we should achieve is what we call a target portrait. And the target portrait essentially is uh, an overview of our consumer for that specific segment. It's who our consumer is. It's uh, what do they currently think of the category? How do they currently behave in the category? What turns them on? What turns them off? Um, and we need, we need to basically create this overall profile of our consumer that we're going after. Um, and that's essentially what we we take uh, 
for our target segment and basically everything that we do from a brand or marketing perspective or advertising perspective needs to ensure that it fits within that target, the target segment. So that's targeting in a, in a very, very quick, quick overview. Um, but what we do need to remember is marketing strategy is multiplicative. Now, if you're the, the success of your targeting is a result of the success of your segmentation, which is a result of your research. If you don't do those too well, your targeting will lead to being quite poor and your overall positioning will also be poor. So make sure that you do your research first, your, a proper segmentation, and then start working on your targeting from there. Oh, that was a pretty good um, wrap up. I think I like the use of the word multiplicative. It was, uh... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the biggest word, word in my vocabulary. I need to use it when I can. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. I, I think you, you, know, you probably covered segmentation. Um, Look, we'll just touch on that really, really quickly because it's hard to to go into a bit more detail about it. It's really important. But that yeah, I think just to summarize, you know, the segmentation is what you do before the targeting. You can't you can't get a target market unless you know what the segments are. Um, as we said, the to put it really, really well is the, the segmentation is descriptive. It's about the market, not about the product. Um, and it's essentially the map. Um yeah which is showing you what's on the map, if you like. The target is you're going to pick the towns that you're going to go to, um, yeah. if you like. So I suppose um, as we touch on targeting, I think, um, you know, what's really important is is targeting is a strategy. It is all about your brand versus segmentation in the market. Um, so I suppose when we touch about it, you know, when we start talking about the targeting, what we want to do is figure out the direction of that map, um, where are we going to go and, and typically, uh, Nick, you might be able to um, add a little bit here, but typ typically when we look at the targets, um, again, we have hammered into this that your job as a, as a marketing um, whatever, whether it's manager or coordinator, is to make your company money. Um, it's it's so important. Um, it's it's really nothing else than that. I mean, sure, you've got to be aware of everything that goes into it, but that's the, that's the final thing. So when we pick a, a target market, what we're really looking for is, is that segment that, that makes us the most money, right? Yeah, there's a little bit more that goes into it than that. But yeah, it's a, it's a balance between finding the one that makes you the most money and the ease of reaching that target um, target customer. So for example, a recent segmentation and targeting that we did for a client on paper, most people would automatically go to the one that looks the most lucrative. Um, but for this client in particular, we found that um, one of the most important factors of their customers choosing them was based around location. And this target segment that um, looked the best on paper was one of the furthest away from um, from the company. So obviously they're not gonna not gonna buy their product. Um, so yeah, it is a it is a fine balance between finding the one that is is worth the most money, but also easy to go after. And, and just, uh, I think, to add to that, um, I think, yeah, the, the value of the target segment and obviously the the, the um, applicability towards your specific product or service is, is extremely vital. But the other things that we do need to take into consideration is how are our competitors currently perceived by that target consumer as well? Um, if we forget to, to consider that, um, then obviously we're, we're missing a huge portion of our target segment because in the end, the target segment is based on the opportunity. That opportunity is then um, defined by value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, we, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Nick. Um, and it's, it's about identifying and putting all that research together um, 
to then analyze what does make the most sense for your business. And one thing that we, we don't talk about too often is how many target segments should you actually go after as well? Um, so your, your, your category, your segmentation of your entire category could could come down to 20 potential target segments and, and, and ultimately like you want to be choosing one or two. Now you want to choose that one and two for, for the next say 12 to 18 months potentially based on how big that market size is for that particular target segment. And then what you can do is you can reiterate and you can change as your customers change as well. However, generally a, a marketing strategy has a life cycle of 12 months and that's ultimately where the, the time period which you should be focusing on that target segment. Yeah, so let's run through, I suppose, you know, um, and correct me if I miss anything here just in case, but but let, let's focus on the, if you've got a pen and paper in front of you, you want to re-listen to this. The thing that you really want to be um, across are, are a number of things. The, the first thing is, as the guy said, the, the number of customers in the segment and their spending potential, it's so important, yeah. is, is are they heavy users of whatever you're going to put in? Yeah. And, and we hope that that segment is going to grow. Um, we don't want to hop in a stagnant, segment because it's not going to it's not going to end very well the second bit is your ability to reach the customers and the cost of doing so you know what is the lead time for you to start to make some sort of money again what jared spoke about which we'll go into a bit more detail is that long and short um we do want to make sure that that the people do have typically like a lot of money to spend um in this space um Jared touched on it really well. It's the intensity of the competition and and how happy people are with that competition. Um, yeah. You know that that's such an important thing. Is if it's going to be a very difficult, no matter how good you think your product is, it's going to be very challenging for you if the customer satisfaction is very high and there is a super high um, competitor intensity in there. You're going to have to do something really special to cut in. And it's probably going to take quite a long time. Um, again, we touched on the forecasted growth. Is it growing in size? Is a spending partner? You know, is the spending power increasing? Again, that's tied to your potential profitability. Is what's the bottom line of it all? And the, and the final one is your barrier to entry. Um, mm. what is it? Are the barriers really low? And if you go back and you find, especially in some significant um, new companies, let's let's talk about sort of the last twenty years. Um, I'd probably say that's where they've done really well is there, there is really low barriers to entry and the customer satisfaction with the competitor's current offering is, is quite low. Um, you know, and I can think of a, a number of brands sort of um, obviously the, the the luggage base was a really good one. Um, you know, see so yeah, Away, um, July, Crumpler, Bellroy have ever moved into this space. So if you're going to, you know, 2021, you're looking at doing that, again, you're going to have a reasonable degree of customer satisfaction high barrier to entry. If you're going to enter and to get market, you might have to do it at a low margin. So the profitability is down low. So long story short, I probably wouldn't enter that category. Um, but, you know, they're all the things that you want to do from here. And I think what what we don't touch on enough is um, this is also a, a health check for your company. If this comes out that it's not the way to go, don't proceed with it. Mm. You, know, you know, I think that's really important. Like you've got to hear... Um, this is spelling out that that this idea might not work in its current in its current way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what 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 we also need to take into consideration is, in the end, yes, targeting is about our brand and identifying the right target segment for us. But it's from the segmentation, it's identifying 
what motivates those consumers and it's understand getting a much better understanding of that consumer which comes back to market orientation which we discussed in the last podcast where whereby targeting allows you to not have this hypothetical consumer yeah it's giving you a complete uh idea of who your the target consumer is you're going after which then allows you to create your positioning Right, and, and we, we we harp on like together quite often how important positioning is, and and positioning is essentially how you want to be perceived by your consumer. That is your positioning, and then on the other side, brand is how your consumers perceive you. Hmm. And unless you start to lay that foundation of your position, and it actually matters to that consumer, hmm. it's going to be very very hard to be successful. And that is dictated by your target in which you choose. I suggest everyone just go back 15 seconds on your auto button and listen to that because the amount of tripe that we see about this is brand, half the time it's not brand, this is brand, your color palette, you think, I'm like, no, mate. <laughs> That's like, I think one of the good thing is, and, and you know, you guys will, will will back me up on this and Nick especially, maybe you can speak this a bit more is, you know, for those of these people here where they might report into people above them um, who might not have that market orientation um, hat on which they need, you do get a little bit of um, blowback for targeting. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, Nick in our pitching of the last year, I don't think we've ever not, I don't think we've ever had full consensus on on what the data says. No. And, and a lot of the time um, when you do segmentation, like we, we've done it a fair few times and every time there's something that comes up that you never would have, never would have discovered had you not done it. And yeah, a lot of the times it is hard to believe that that's what what it is, but it doesn't. Yeah, the data doesn't lie. Mm. So, how how do you think, Nick, that we or like if we're working with clients or even us as business owners, how do you think that we can take an approach to go? You know what? I I I can have my assumptions, but mm-hmm. in order for me to actually make the right decisions, I need it to be led. How do I take my assumptions away from it? Do you think? um that's a good that's a good question as in your own ones or if you if you're yeah. if you're if, or client based there, ones yeah i guess there is two questions now let's let's say from a if, if, if the brand's mine yeah um i think just get people to look over it like get as many people to who know who know what they're doing to look over it because i think you won't see your own assumptions in there just because you're so involved in it. I think it's just getting that other input from people who, who have done this before and to them it will be obvious, but to you it won't be. Yeah, no, I think um, that's and, and if you can get people who actually don't know anything about your company or anything about the category that, you, that your brand is in, um, that's even better because they'll, mm-hmm. have, they'll, have an, they'll have a viewpoint that you won't be able to see yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll go just on that. Do you think, like, as much as, like, and I, I agree 100% with Nick, I think getting more and more eyes on it um, that don't have a, a, a direct relation to the brand is great. But do you think there's the opportunity to even have, like, loyalists, for example, look over what you're, what you're going and, and go to loyalists with, say, a position before you actually go to the entire market with it? Yeah, yeah, I do. Just to, to quickly, like, uh, maybe elaborate a bit on Nick's thing. One of the things that you'll come across if you're if you're working and you do it's not your company or something is um is you'll find especially with founders you'll find that they have put a lot of time and effort into their business plan. Um, frequently it won't be research led, which is concerning. However, 
the key thing is that you can turn all that work. Don't make them feel like they've um, they've messed up and things like that because they, they they really haven't. What you've got in front of you is you know um, you know we, we all understand the importance of brand management, which is very different. Well, not very different, but there's certain subtleties that are different to marketing, and the importance of founders as a diagnostic tool. So what mm. you can do is take their turn all of what they think is research into hypotheses, and yep. you can then use that to test it out on the market. And, and quite often you'll find that they're, they're almost on the money. They're yeah, not far off. There's, they're, they're pretty yeah. close. I, th I think um, we went through that last podcast. Like a lot of the time your assumptions might actually be right just because you've been involved for so long in the business and you know people so well. Where, where you're going to really lose out, and I can, I can say this, where you will lose out is where you think your tactics come in. That is where your assumptions come to fruition of being incredibly wrong. Um, yeah. I think all three of us have made that mistake at some point in our careers of, oh, yeah. of you know, That's thinking. The hard way. Yeah. I think, yeah, and I think also um, where you will be unstuck is finding new new targets and whether you need to go after new new target markets. I think yeah. that's where your own bias can um, really, really be a downfall. Yeah. And so, Jay, with your loyalists, um, yeah, yeah I, I really agree. I mean, you know, the the thing with the with the loyal, you and I had a pretty strenuous, pretty strong discussion about this maybe a couple of weeks ago. Is yeah. the loyalists are really good? You know, they they tell you everything that they love about it. It's it may not be the same as moving down throughout the market, but if there's something that comes up that you know a whole lot of people that love your brand love about a product or a service, you can at least test that into the larger category buyer, which is where you're going to make your money. You know, you're going to make your money from a lot of people who buy rarely. Yeah. Um, I don't know that, how many times we need to stress this into business. You, you're not, yeah. you don't make money. Apple don't make money from the people that line up for the iPhone. Mm. It's not where they make their money from. Um, and I think that the key thing here is that on the opposite side of that, I think, Jared, I won't put, won't put words in your mouth. Yeah. There, there is some, there is some super well-educated marketing people that, that um, interview brand haters. Um, I'm not one of those people unless that person may have been a loyalist and have switched to hating yeah. the brand. I could think of a couple of examples of brands that would have had that. Mm -hmm. um, but apart from haters of people that, that you know, maybe have never used the brand, there's some kind of, I don't know, there's some reason why they don't like it. I don't see any value. So I don't know, Jared or Nick, if you want to talk to the, to, to the, yeah. to the other side of that. Yeah, look, <clears throat> I I think there's actually like and, – and, I, I understand why like people choose not to go to haters. I really do. Um, so, and just to clarify, loyalists and what we define as the people that are like your top one, two percent of customers. They love your brand. They wouldn't go to another category. Uh, sorry, another competitor in the category. They just absolutely love you guys, and and you're first in mind no matter what for the category when they're buying in it. Um, haters on the other side are the complete opposite end of the scale and they're the individuals that despise your brand. They will not buy, they refuse to. And again, they provide a, a very different perspective to those of loyalists. And again, I do understand why people wouldn't go down that path, but the, the, there's one reason that I like to. Um, and that reason is it can uncover, if, 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 if the ethnography, if, if the, if the qualitative research is done correctly, I think it can actually uncover some really, really interesting insights. And I've recently done this for, for one of my brands, but I think the best um, example is actually Nintendo. So Nintendo did a 
haters-based uh, qualitative research piece. And what they ended up doing is they, they went to people that really, really disliked gaming consoles. They hated consoles. They didn't use consoles. They thought this, this, and that. And that led to the Wii. That led to the Wii being created, and that led to to the success of Wii and Nintendo. Um, but because it, it allowed them to identify where this potential niche opportunity was, and it was these individuals that didn't necessarily want to play video games that were shooting them up, but it was more interactive, more engaging. You could play with a few friends. You could do it in person, and all this other jazz. And that's where I think that it definitely can have its its ups. Um, and if, but I think it all comes down to the execution and who's actually leading that research to to really extract the right information. Mm. Nick, yeah, I agree. It it all depends on who you go to. Um, like you said, we'll go. Um, like I'd probably be more inclined to go to people who've tried it and then decided that they didn't like it rather than people who have never tried it. Um, yeah. But even like Jared said, even those people would have some sort of valuable information. Um, but yeah, it's just it just comes down to distinguishing whether their their viewpoints are, are rational or, or and, not, and right? Yeah, and relevant. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk on let's talk on a really important thing that that I think uh, we are all aware of, but I I don't think the majority of the market is is let's talk about the long and the short. Um, yeah. Jared touched on it in the intro. Uh, short-term, you know, commercial-orientated campaigns focus on people looking to buy now or soon. We use uh, emotional primers for that kind of thing. Um, and then we also look at long-term, which is brand-building effects. Um, yeah. Before we go into a really good example might be um, a, a buy now or, or new product release um, ads on, say, you know, Facebook or outdoor or something like that where people see, okay, cool, we're going to have an immediate transaction. This is how much we're spending. This is how much we can see back. And from a long-term play, that might be something like PR or sponsorship is a really good example. You see Chevrolet yep. on a Manchester United shirt. You can't transact on it straight away. You know, it's a, it's a long-term brand primer of I remember that they sponsor. Yeah. Um, biggest misconceptions is what is what mm -hmm. and the frequent mix mix up that people think it's the long or the short yep. and it's the long and the short you do mm -hmm. both uh nick jared do you, who wants to touch on it nick i'll let you you start this one off um yeah like, let's all get into it but like dan said um like short term is pretty much anything that transacts now and has an immediate result um and like we've seen over the last few years at least, um, it's all usually heavily tactics based. Um, and we see more and more, more and more brands going towards this sort of approach just because it does um, attract immediate results. Um, yeah. But people don't take into consideration the long-term brand, um, long-term brand building that we don't have the, that we can't show people the graphs right now, but there is a graph, um, it's Lesbonette, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. That, is, yep. um, that shows the effects of long-term brand building versus short-term activation. And yeah, like Dan said, it's not whether you choose one or the other, you should be doing both. Um, usually a 60-40 split, um, long-term versus short-term. But yeah, I think definitely the consensus am amongst majority of brands now is that there is it is heavily weighted towards short-termism and people forget about the... How, how good long-term brand building is for a brand. 
And I think just to touch on that, that that what Nick said is a lot of people do take this consensus that short-termism is the way to go. And I think there's this underlying reason as to why that's occurred. And frankly, I think like from a, as a marketing manager or, or whatever your position is, when you come to a new business or a new brand, you want to you want to show them your value. You want to drive sales for them effective immediately, right? And what we do, we, we get in this stage, we short-term, 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 short-term. And as, as we, we continue that for say 12 to 18 months, but then the brand actually gets nowhere, right? So we, get a, we might get a really good sort of uplifting in sales to, to begin with, but then it sort of really fizzles out. And then on the, the complete contrary to that is if we're someone that just worries about the long-term, we come into a new brand, we focus on long-term brand building, we see no sales for the next 12, or very limited sales for 12 to 18 months, but then we would start to see them after that. But by the time that we would start to see them, we're fired, right? Yeah. So there's this, there's this. Um, I guess this is yeah, exactly what you said, Nick. There's this success measure. Them. Yeah, and I think it's. I think brands are just automatically locked into that, just because I think what is it? The average tenure of a CMO in Australia is twelve months or less. Yeah. It could be. And so, what are you what are you supposed to do when you walk into a new business and you put under that pressure to deliver results, and, and you know you've only got twelve months in you if you don't? Yeah, and it's also the fact that the long term is quite hard to measure, right? We 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 we're falling into this trap where we're so data driven and analytic heavy that we want to be able to measure everything. And yes, there are ways to measure long term brand building, but don't get me wrong, it's a lot harder to do so, and you can't. Um, you can't attribute it to, to certain um, channels like TV, for example. Mm. But um, in the end, it's, it's proven that they, the two, both long and short-term um, marketing campaigns work in conjunction with one another. And when done right in uh, a 60-40 split or thereabouts, they actually have a much better effect in the long term. I'm going to give everyone on the podcast a bit of a free hit. Search uh, Field and Burnett Media and Focus and go to page 43 of that report. The hard work has been done for you based on 12 years of data. <laughs> um, it is done for you. If you want short-term um, brand effect, uh, you're going to do inserts, SMS, email, newspapers. If you want long-term, you're going to do online video. Who would have thought? PR, cinema, sponsorship. That, like we've done it for you. It is backed by 12 years of data. Do it. There you go. That is honestly, uh, in, in my mind, probably one of the best resources on the idea of long and the short. And and like you said, we'll go highly, highly recommend anyone listening to this going in and having go a read. With the graphs, when you go in and present what you want to do, back it up from these two people. Like the, these, there's no, there's no way to argue out of this. Yeah, there's no way to argue. The work has been done for you. Um, yeah. You just need to to then go. But what Jared said is hard. It is it is hard to measure to a click or something. But why should we do that? The, yeah. You know, that's the problem with the market. The, um, the same goes for research and SDP, right? Like, yeah, how, exactly. you can't measure that. You can't measure the benefits of that either yeah. until you get twelve to twenty four months down the track and it's paying off. Yeah. Yeah, and we focus on cost per acquisitions or our return on marketing investment. Where in the end, like what we need to be actually identifying is, how, like, what's our penetration to the overall market? So, what's our, I guess, share of voice, or in, as we would have been discussing, share of search, and how well are you known in the entire category, um, and what's your profit? Hmm. Right. This 
Yeah, and what's your growth? Uh, I think this is really good. I, I think I use this. I think I don't know if it's all three of us or Nick. I used it the other day. Uh, if you had an event that's been around for 20 years, um, especially in the event occupies a, a, a space and, you know, unique selling point, like, uh, yeah, they don't, it's hard to make one exist nowadays, but but the, the brand is built over 20 years. Now, if you do, um, what I see, what we see now is that you get marketing managers sitting there going, we did $7 million of ticket sales. Yep. Okay. And you go, oh, that's that that's that's impressive. Without asking what your profit is, um, what did you do in year one? What did you do twenty years ago? And what's your percentage of growth from year twenty to now? Because hmm. if you're not investing in the long term brand of that, you're not going to see substantial growth. You're not going to know. Um, you know, you're going to pull the lever of pricing and increase pricing every single year. You know, you're not going to see other target markets to do it. And this is the thing is I think that um, marketers don't know how to do it. I use that term lightly for quite a number of them. They don't know how to do it and they're not held accountable by senior management. Mm. Um, objectives, you know, that we'll touch on when we, t- when we do a podcast on, on strategy of, you know, smart objectives. You know, I had a meeting today and, and I said, you've got to give me the objectives. And they said, oh, we don't know. I go make them up then. Like have something that we know whether we're on track or not. Put a time around and put a number around it. And I think, you know, this is the hardest thing is if you do have a um, someone of a legacy brand, you know, I'm talking even five years, but but let's go sort of 10 plus. Go all the way back, ask for the P&L, see how things work. You'll have a direct effect on this and say, look, this is what we've done. If it's been done properly, you'll see some significant growth trends, including into other markets that have made your business more money. Yeah. And then to touch on that, like I just want to clarify one thing. When, we're, when we are talking about long-term mass marketing, we're talking sophisticated mass marketing. And what that means is you're not targeting the entire population of the world. You're targeting your entire category of consumers. So essentially the people that you, you, you segment into targets you're targeting the whole lot, and then with your targeting, you're targeting that small triangle, that piece of that pie. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's a really important point, which is uh, it's quite simple, but it's very complicated to understand. Like, um, you know, I mean, you nailed it. You, you hit the nail on the head, Nick. Do you have something on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Joe brought it up because I mean, the most probably the most common one is people saying that they want to target millennials, right? Uh, and like mate. Jared said, that that would be that would be mass marketing, but it's it's a stupid thing to do because everyone would know that there's so many different segments within millennials, and not all millennials want the same thing. I mean, we're all millennials here, aren't we? I think, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, and we all we all have different interests and different behaviours. So if right. you, if you if that's your if that's your target, then yeah, yeah that's that's where you've done you've gone wrong already. Yeah. And it's the data you've got to look at. You've got to look at your research, peer-reviewed stuff, not a not an entrepreneur or Inc. magazine article. You know, I, I think um, I can try and dig it up, or if one of you guys know where it is, I, I think the last peer-reviewed I looked is that the the difference between millennials and anything else is nothing. It's just the younger and poorer. Yeah. I th- Put? Is that the way it was put? That's, that's exactly how it is. And that's actually a really good article. And we, we should definitely find it for the show notes because it, it literally just shows you like a, a millennial and a boomer or whoever can have the can be in the same segment. 
right? Yes, you, and that's a very important point. We we probably haven't touched on that. Yeah, I, I wanted to go back to that actually. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, and so we'll go back to it, and because like again, like segmentation focuses on your, your demographic profiles, your attitudes, and your behaviors. Yeah, yeah. and and I was going to say before when we go all the way back to segmentation, it's so easy to segment based on demographics like age and yeah. and gender and that sort of thing, but that's not the way you want to go. You want to you want to segment on behaviors or attitudes. Yeah. And, then, and then link those two demographics. Maybe we do need to What's that? Um, Sorry, Wilco, what was that? I was saying maybe we do need to do a podcast on segmentation. We've kind of fluffed over yeah, it. Yeah, we, we have gone over it. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we, won't, we won't do it in order then. But, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's really important. And long and short, um, you know, Jared, we spoke about it yesterday, but long and short, it, it does depend on, on your business objective. Yeah. Um, but... Find a way to make it work. Don't get caught up in if I do um, if I do short term, it's going to be good. And the thing with short term, you've got to remember. Um, again, it's not a tangible thing. You have to remember the damage that a bad short term can do for you. Yeah. Short term mm-hmm. having you know short term effects and things like that. What we don't mean is thirty percent sales off. That commodifies your product. So if you're trying to look at it and you say I've got thirty percent off. What happens is if you do that for three years, by the time your brand, and I could name plenty of brands that do this, who actually post big revenues but not big profits, is that when you get to five years, your brand, so the long-term view of your brand from the consumer is I won't buy that now. I'll wait till it gets yeah. on sale. Um, I posted it again, Simon Peel, Adidas, 17-minute talk, one of the best talks of a huge company that messed up and realize they messed up exactly in this example. And it's because like in that, that whole that whole video is, is based on humility and the fact that they had the data to actually understand that, right? And then they've 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 stepped away, they they've taken their pride away from it and gone, you know what, we need to accept this. We now need to reiterate and 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 we're gonna be successful from it. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, there's a whole lot of different business objectives. Um, you know, whether you're startup or you're trying to get into another uh, category. We can chat about that if you've got questions about that. Maybe just pop us an email, um, yeah. and we can we can go through that. So I suppose the next bit is where does it fit? Where does targeting fit? Yeah, into the yeah, that's, that's that's a good point, and and I guess this is sort of where the the, the whole conversation is is leading to. Um, targeting fits in to your short term sales activations and like sales focus campaigns. Um, your I, I, I briefly mentioned in the summary, but. These short-term activations that we we do, um, they are far far more effective when we focus on a target consumer with a very very heavy product position, um, and it's run for six to twelve months. It's performance marketing, like you mentioned, Volko before. It's 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 the advertising channels that you know you're going to get uh, in, like very quick results from your social media advertising, your, your PPC. Um, your, your SMS, your email, etc., um, and it basically is a persuasive communication that encourages them with a call to action to buy now or to take an action right now. And to jump in, hundred percent budget. We spend forty percent on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Budget a hundred dollars. Spend forty dollars on it. Yeah, for the year. And the sixty, and just to clarify, the sixty dollars is spent on your brand. Correct. Yeah. Nick, did you have anything on that? No, I think Jared explained it very well. Cool. So we've done the research, we've done the segmentation, now we're up to targeting. I must really stress two things. Um, If you are thinking about tactics at this point, you need to 
close every tab. And we're, we're not even looking at this stage as to what the design we, we don't we don't care what the logo looks like. We don't care what the the like don't open Adobe Canva, don't get your camera out. You're not even there yet. The yeah. second part about targeting, you are going to um the the detailed information that you have, you are not going to present to your board or your boss unless yep. they ask for it. They don't care. So make sure you name your target markets descriptively so that everyone, the, the secretary, all due respect, but it's not their job, the person who sits at the front desk should know what the target market means. And just on that, it should be focused on behavior. Yes, yes. So yeah. what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really important, really important. So I suppose, Nick, do you want to touch on like what's it made up of? I know we've kind of gone around, but but let's really let's really hammer it down into sort of six points or five points into what it's made of. Yeah, so I guess like when you do segmentation, you want these points as well. So you want um, the potential value of the segment. So how much money are they worth? Um, how big they are, obviously. That should probably go first, actually. Um, you want to see what share of this market you currently have. Um, and then um, where does your product fit within these target segments? Um, and then spillover, which is what occurs when just say you have one target segment, they might share some similar behaviors or attitudes with another segment. Um, and then so um, targeting that target segment will influence the other one indirectly. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a key word right there. It's influence. Um, yeah. Like if you get if you get your product into to one target segment's hand, how does that influence the behavior of another? Make sure your spillover. Nick's very good at doing spillovers, but make sure that is right. Um, <laughs> I remember Nick and I pitched to an incredibly senior brand manager what a month ago, Nick, a month and a bit ago. And she was fantastic and she said, you know, this is great research. I don't really care. What have you done with it? <laughs> we said, okay, cool. And then we identified spillover. Remember her first question, Nick? Yeah, it was a good one. Like it was a great question. It was how do you know that um, Yeah, it was how do you know that this actually spills over? And I mean, luckily for us we did the proper research and and could explain it with uh, backed up data. But yeah, you you want to make sure that they do spill over. Now the, the reason yeah, I think we'll just touch on the reason spillover can be quite difficult to make sure that it's good. You've got all the data, so you just make sure you've got it. The reason we want to do spillover is because if we see that one category directly influences another down a path, if we're if we're talking about budget, it, it enables you to save the money on advertising to two groups that like the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? You're going to come up with two different positions, two different whatever, and and you're wasting your time and you're going to waste your money. So one that was a great example is the Abercrombie and Fitch example, where they identified. Um, just correct me, Jared, if I don't get this right, if I butcher this, but they identified that 16 to 20-year-old males, cool males, I should say, they identified what was cool. Yeah, your jock. Yeah. Your jock style in America. They had a direct influence to both older males. So I think it was 30 plus maybe. Yeah, it was like that 28 to sort of 32. And then yeah. it was your same age group, but you're not cool individuals. Yeah, not cool. I think they identify as a few years ago now, but they identify them as nerds. Now, yeah. now a poor marketer would say, okay, we're going to do this to three different, these are our three target markets. The issue is that they're all the same. They get influenced by it. So what they did is they only targeted the 16 to 24, 
knowing that the other two were direct spillovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting to do. It's it's a great thing to to do because it anything that you can go back to a board or anything and say, look, we saved money here by identifying that, you've already got them on the line. Yeah. And I think it's 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 exactly that. It's maximizing your resources resources, sorry, and advertising spend by leveraging a network effect. Yeah. All right, cool. Jared, do you want to touch on how do we do this targeting? Yeah, okay. So again, we're gonna to have to do a segmentation thing. Um, but basically what we do is we we do what we call a, in segmentation, we do what we call a meaningful actionable grid. And what that allows us to do is break down the category. And I'm not gonna go into any more detail, but that's essentially what it does. From there, we create, we, we understand who our target segment is. Like Nick said before, we've got those five, six points of, of information that we need for that target segment. And from that, we write down the target segment portrait. Um, and that target segment portrait, like I said before, is essentially it's it's what you frame and it is your consumer. And anytime you do anything, whether it's marketing or brand orientated, it should be specific to that consumer and it should align correctly, right? Um, and that then leads us into our product positioning, right? So the next step of our holy trinity of marketing is positioning. And that's when we start to, we, we leverage that um, target portrait and we start to create our product positioning. Um, we are going to do a positioning podcast, aren't we? Yes, yes, yes. Well, that'll be, the, that'll be our favorite. Yeah. So yeah. I won't go into that. Um, but, but that's essentially it. Like targeting... Is, is basically just identifying a specific group of users that show the same attitudes and behaviors that you're going after. Yeah, it's probably good to say that if you do, if you spend the time doing a proper segmentation, targeting is actually pretty obvious and doesn't actually take that long. Because it shouldn't. Exactly. It, it shouldn't, yeah. The segmentation is the, longest part of, is the longest part of the process. Targeting, yeah, should be obvious by the time you've finished it. And yeah. you mentioned the meaningful, actionable grid. Like we said before, that sort of is a good, um, that keeps you in check to make sure that you're doing a good segmentation, just ranking those factors. Mm-hmm. I should also yeah. say that given, when you go from research into segmentation, um, it can be a lot like, um, you know, staring at a screen, seeing the same thing. I, I really suggest as you work through to share it with other people who know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, and just double check. I mean, we do it all the time. Just double check that you're not seeing double, that things... Um, you know, aren't standing out because it's such an easy thing to do to, to sort of, uh, I don't want to say mess it up, but it's very easy to get caught up. And the, the fact that this is the thing that influences your strategy, if you make a mistake on this, you make a mistake on every single step that comes after. Yeah, I don't mean to put pressure on people, but it's very important to note. Yeah, no, it's very true. Um, so I guess, I mean, do, do, do we need to touch on what goes into that target segment uh, that por- um, portfolio uh, sorry that target profile a little bit more or um d- uh, yeah so the who is a customer yeah so just like that portrait there yeah, like the who, who the customer is yeah I think they- really this is the information that you should do and and what you want to do is all the other stuff that we've spoken about is stuff that we all and you people listening as, as marketers or business owners what we know but boards and things don't care about this what they want to see is the portrait so the the list that you want to tick off when you build a, a portrait so all the stuff that nick and jared just mentioned it's now your job to write a story based on the data so it's not fiction but you want to put in who is a customer okay so it's jane john whatever it is get a little picture from a, a, a site that you think they look like um who is a customer what do they currently think of the category 
What do they do in the category? What turns them on? What turns them off or acts as a barrier? And the and we want to also put in the, like the buying behavior. How do they purchase? And the key thing that people always do is they make it too positive. Put the negatives in there. Put what they don't do, which is really important because what will happen as you move, we'll discuss later in the positioning, stuff like that will become very clear in a position, um, yes. especially what yeah. they do that maybe competitors do where you can jump on and say, we are directly um, positioned against this. Yeah. Uh, if, if we go back to our the last podcast we did as well and we're talking about research, we mentioned that when you're setting up a survey, let's say there's three different parts. You've got your demographics, your attitudinal and your behavioural. Um, these segment portraits are pretty much just a summary of all the findings of that research. Yeah. In one. So, you, so you're describing the person based on those results. So, yeah, when we, when we do it, we, give, we actually give the person a name um, and make it really personal. So when you, like if you're describing them, your target market, let's just say you'll actually call them, let's say Jared and say, Jared, is this is how old he is? This is um, where he lives. This is how much money he earns. Um, yeah, and then what you said, Wilco, um, just like um, the behaviors in the category and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really important. It's quite fun. Like actually, it's really good to do that. And, and you know, whenever we've presented it, it's you know, don't take it personally, but everyone that you present this to will have no idea how much work has gone into yeah. into creating a story about a customer. Um, you know, make sure you, you always mention it is research-led. We don't want to put the market orientation, the light. We don't want to turn the lights off again on them, um, which is really important. Um, what do we do next? The things to consider, again, we're banging into everyone's head, the short-term focus segment campaigns. They don't necessarily lead to long-term brand effects, long-term success, but the opposite can be true. Long-term brand effects can have small incremental gains on, on short-term activations. And actually on that, it's, it's actually through the research. After 18 or so months, the long term actually ends up being more beneficial to the bottom line than the, the short term. So when you're going for a job, if people are, you know, in the market now, they're going for a job, um, you know, it's it's very easy for me to say, but if, if, you're, if you're out of work or you're going for a new job, um, uh, you know, we, we do it. We do it. We make it very clear that our position is very strongly against um, un inexperienced and untrained marketers who are not research-led, very mm -hmm. strict. Um, we won't take on a client if they don't believe in research or they think that th they understand their customer. We, we won't do it. So the first thing for you is I'd say um, this is the way that I work. Um, because I'm well-trained or well-experienced and this is my credentials, um, which you should do anyway. And then I think you, you really want to be upfront with this. Um, you know, I did it early in the week and I said, this is how long this takes. I, I won't rush it. If you need to move faster, here are some things that we can remove, but we will definitely revisit it in six months, whether it's for an increase in budget or, or funding or time or resources. Don't fall into the trap of saying, of wanting the job. And it's very easy for me to say. So if you're in hard predicaments, please, you know, don't think that I'm being rude or anything. It's very easy to say, yeah, I'll do it. And you know that you can't. And you know that you're going to build short-term brand effects that have no impact, short-term sales effect that will have no impact on the brand. And you'll get fired in two years because you will turn into a commodity. Your profit margins will be small. You won't have grown 
um, you'll only have grown at the start and during activations and then you lose your market share, um, you know, when you turn off those things. Like hold the line I think is the best way to sum it up. Like make sure you hold the line and make sure you tell people the way that marketing is meant to be done. Um, if they don't buy into it, do you really want to work there? Yeah, absolutely. There's my rant for the podcast. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I think it's I think it's completely valid as well. Um, and nine times out of ten, you know, you you will win them over. Um, you know, you because they do want to see growth. And the thing is that you've got to do is growth is not short term. Yeah, it's not. Um, you know, otherwise everyone, you know, you, you go to the gym, you do, you know, a month of gym workouts, you don't have six pack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and I know it's a pretty simple thing, but yeah. it's the same thing. You know what you get? You know what? That's a perfect analogy. You go to the gym, you do a bicep workout, right? You pump up, you're looking good, right? But then half an hour later, you're not. Yeah. But you <laughs> continuously do it. You know what? Long term effects, and then they're getting bigger. Like that, that's a perfect. That's pretty analogy. good. I'll, I'll give you that one. Jared, no, no, no. I can do a better one that affects Jared directly. <laughs> Oh, Jared that. started running and he's oh, not bad yeah. at it, right? This is a really good analogy as to where you haven't you haven't <laughs> eaten your own humble pie. Yeah. And he said, I reckon I can do under four, 40 minutes for 10K. And to everyone here, he's not that far off, I'll just tell you, right? And what happened is he didn't put in any endurance work, so long-term branding play. He went for short-term, 406, 40. This is so good that this has played into this perfectly he did you know short-term <laughs> activations of running very quickly to try and see short-term results what he didn't understand is that to make the 40 minutes it's a long-term brand play you have to put in the work he didn't do any insurance work <laughs> and what's happened this week jared uh i've done injury 100 <laughs> and I haven't been able to run right. for the last five so you days. can't do short-term activations or long-term brand building, so your brand is currently stagnant. And yeah. that's because Jared I mean, didn't do his research on how to hit his target. This is unbelievable. And I, thought, like, I, I know how much you're loving this. I know how much you're loving this. But no, it's, it's not, <laughs> not true. My, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, well, Let's let's leave my my uh, yeah. let's leave on that note then. Yeah, let's, no, let's, really let's, good. Go, go on, go and search. Um, oh, whatever I said before. What did I say? Um, to Lesbinette. Um, Media and focus. Media and focus. Lesbinette, and then go and search for Tom Roach. The wrong, and the short of it. We'll link it in the show notes. Brilliant articles. Really good. I I must stress it. Like I, we can't underplay the importance of of segmentation and targeting. Um, but don't be scared of it and please don't, it's, it's not easy to understand. It's not easy to execute on. You just take your time, um, yeah. and reach out if you need. But the thing is you, you can't not do it. You got to do it. That's it. Maybe what we do is, yeah, no, no, forget that. Yeah, forget that. <laughs> um, any, that's all. <laughs> any, any finishing comments? Nah, I think that's all from me, Nico. Yeah, no, I think I think we've touched on it all. There you go. Uh, that's the that's targeting um, in there. We might have to jump back and do segmentation out of order, but um, probably warrants its own its own podcast, to be honest. But um, thanks everyone for listening. Um, you can get in touch with us at harper.co or hello at harper.co. Um, hope everyone's doing well. Hopefully, some restrictions out. Uh, well, this will go out next week. 
So hopefully there's hopefully we're uh, we're currently celebrating getting out of some sort of lockdown. Fingers crossed. All right. Thanks very much, guys. See you, See you later.